This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, yes, welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. I am Dean Holland and joined by the delightful and a half Charlie Dobbin. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm I'm holding on. It's been so windy here. It, it's just, yeah. It's been crazy, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But, yeah, it's nice that the sun is shining and it is cooled off, which is nice. It has, um, yeah, about in Collingwood here where I am, about 10, 11 degrees, I think, right now. Exactly the same here, which is kind okay. of a nice break from what felt extremely hot a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great day for Winnie the Pooh. It's a blustery day. Out there. <laughs> Good point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How's your week been? Good? Um, yes, reasonably good. But like I said, it's been super windy. We did have a about an eight hour power failure on mm-hmm. Thursday. But the great irony of all that is that we also had a generator installed on Tuesday. And Ooh. you say to yourself, well, that should be perfect. But of course, it's not because the generator came with a faulty regulator. So I <laughs> have a, a generator sitting out there taking up space on oh. the land, but it is non-functional. So that oh. was a little frustrating. That, <laughs> yes, that is a shame, especially when you had it installed just very recently. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yikes. Waiting on a part. We don't like that. No, we had lots of wind here, two things blowing around. Not as bad as some of the pictures that uh, my wife Gail and I saw on the, uh, you know, on, on, on the internet this morning, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, to the east. Yes. Uh, certainly eastern Ontario and into Quebec had some uh, mm-hmm. some pretty hefty wind damage. Yeah, like roofs blew off, trees came down. Yeah, here uh, on Thursday when the power failure started, the sirens started right after that. And a lot of it, I think, was limbs and trees that came down. And so, of course, all kinds of emergency services were dispatched to bring their chainsaws. (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe maybe this is a question that we can uh, pose to our listeners today, Mm. our callers, because, of course, we get callers from all over Ontario. So, you know, it's windy when blank, blank, blank. Right, uh-huh. and so, um, and, I, and I can fill in one quick yeah. blank for you there. At my place, you know, it's windy when the birdbath has white caps on it. <laughs> it was oh, I was I getting wet. Love that. Standing <laughs> ten feet away from my birdbath, the water was blowing out and getting me wet. It was crazy. Oh, that was God. yesterday. <laughs> White caps on the birdbath. That exactly. is top marks. All I right. don't know that I can come up with anything better than that. <laughs> you know what I can come up with is the phone numbers because yeah. uh, we need to, uh, yeah, we want to open those lines up. Actually, we've already got some callers on the line. Anywhere in Toronto, 416-360-0740 or toll-free anywhere else in the province of Ontario, one 866 And this morning, we want you to let... Duncan, know that you are the first-time caller, yeah? And we will give you your garden wings. There you go, because Carlos has been running, he ran a marathon, and so he's he's got the day off, and we have Duncan here. Uh, please call often, call early, and one question per call, please. And uh, right now, uh, we're going to take a quick break, but we will be back with more on The Garden Show. 
Okay, welcome back to The Garden Show on Zuma Radio. I'm Dean Holland here with Charlie Dobbin. And Charlie, we have callers on the line already. We're going to get right to that. Uh, we're going to go to Sandra in Etobicoke. Welcome to The Garden Show, Sandra. Good morning, Charlie, Dean. I know it's windy because my lawn is covered in pine cones. <laughs> okay, there you go. Top marks. Um, my question, Charlie, is regarding sage and its problem is spreading to the oregano. Um, the leaves have what look like little brown spots on them, but if I hold the leaf up to the light, it's opaque. I can see through them. It hasn't been eaten through. Hmm. I have seen some little bugs. They are black with yellow stripes. I've okay, seen about two or three of the, them. Oh, yeah, those, they're like little beetles, right? Yeah, like a little beetle, yes. Yeah, that's a, that actually is a problem when it comes to cucumbers, that little bug. But it shouldn't not, not much chews on sage uh, just because it's so uh, pungent, if you will. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons we – okay, so if it's spots on the leaves – it's usually from overwatering or underwatering, but more likely overwatering. Is that a possibility? Not really, because um, that herb bed, I, I haven't really watered it. There's a lot of mulch on it, mm. so I, May- I haven't watered it. Okay, so make sure the mulch is not touching the plants. Uh, it's, it's fine to have two to four inches of mulch on the surface of the soil around the plants, but make, like go down on your hands and knees and make sure there's no mulch actually coming up close and touching the stems of the plants because that will contribute to all kinds of too much moisture retention, which even could be happening right now if, if there's too much mulch. It, it, so just be aware of that. Mulch is touching the stems, yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll remove that. Yeah, and, that, and then that way you have better sun penetration, air circulation, and those spots should stop happening. They won't disappear on the leaves that they're on, but eventually new leaves will grow and those new leaves should be clean and clear. It's only on a few of them and I've been cutting them off. It's fairly old mulch. I didn't put new mulch on this year and it's a little compact. Should I be trying to break them? You know how the mulch will sometimes compact? Um, I don't know. I mean, if you want, it's the kind of thing you could just like with your hands and gloves, just break it up a bit because mulch can make um, such a firm surface that water actually is repelled from the garden rather than getting in between the the bark chips. Mm -hmm. So, you know, loosening it up with a rake or your hands might be a good idea if you feel that it's just too compacted. Okay, so it's no Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Good luck with your parsley, sage, rosemary and thyme. Hey, so I know it's windy at my house. But yeah. What she said about the pine cones. Yeah. I step outside. My flowers have no, sorry, my, my plants with flowers suddenly are denuded of all their petals. All the petals blew <laughs> off. <laughs> and that's a sh- and that is a shame when you're waiting this long, right? <laughs> the our, our peonies. I, I posted some pictures of our peonies, which are just glorious this year. We're having a particularly good year, but of course, whenever the rain comes down, it yeah. you know, which it's which locked. we've we've avoided that. But now they're dodging the wind. Yeah, exactly. for sure. Yeah. So if it isn't one thing, it's another. Um, okay, let's go to our next caller. We have uh, Jane in Chatham. Uh, welcome to the Garden Show, Jane. Oh, good morning, Jane. Hello. <laughs> Morning. Hey there. Um, I have plants that all different kinds of plants, dahlias, uh, different ones. They all have holes in the leaves. And you mentioned something last week that could be sprayed on them. Well, it depends what's eating. So holes like uh, like a shotgun has been shot through the leaves. 
like the the edges are all chewed off. Oh, the edges. Okay. So yeah. you said dahlias. What else? Um, I don't know the name of it. It's a new plant. I couldn't tell you. Okay. Right now. If a, there is an insect, already. actually, my neighbor brought one over to show me yesterday that is very um, consistent right now, this time of year, often found on roses, but certainly will chew from the outside margins, uh, the leaves of almost every plant. And it's almost invisible because it's a perfectly camouflaged little caterpillar that's green and it matches the green of the leaves that it's chewing. It's called a saw fly, so S-A-W, fly, saw fly larva. But the product that you can use on any of the larvae that are eating any of your foliage is uh, uh, three letters, B as in Bob, T as in Tom, and K as in kite. So BTK, available at any garden center now or any of the big box stores probably have it as well. Follow the instructions. Spray it on the surface of the leaves of plants that are getting chewed. It makes the surface poisonous. And then the caterpillars come along and start chewing and they ingest some of this poison. It's actually a bacteria and it's a stomach poison for them. The cool thing about BTK is that it doesn't hurt anything else. The birds, the, uh, you know, the birds, bees, cats, dogs, people, nobody is, is affected by this except insects that swallow it. Okay, okay. Okay. Now, you, it, you don't see these caterpillars, obviously. Well, okay. if you look really, really closely, right along the margin, right along the edge of the leaf where you're seeing some of the uh, um, tissue is missing, look really closely, you'll probably see a green caterpillar lying right in that, along that edge, chewing away. But tiny right the size of a you know maybe a quarter of an inch long like a small little oh, okay. green guy okay 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 yeah good luck with good luck with that jane Thank never you. uh never fun when we uh, find stuff eating our leaves is it we uh not at all no very frustrating hey oh and you know just a quick aside yeah, yeah for sure um, yep. one of the things i've recommended to people for years is consider growing <clears throat> gar <clears throat> excuse me consider growing garlic around your plants that are very susceptible to insect infestation. So a classic would be roses. Roses at this time of year, sawfly, like Jane was just talking about, larva, aphids, very, this is the time of year, check your roses for aphids, the tips, the growing tips, uh, and, and other plants that are just, you know, very, very tasty because of all that nice new growth. Um, this year, for the first time ever, I do have garlic growing all around my roses. Uh, I, I planted multi-garlic bulbs around my, my roses and touching wood, uh, keeping my fingers crossed, there are no insects on my roses whatsoever. Okay. No sawflies, no aphids. And both my neighbors on both sides of me brought me examples of aphids and sawflies that are on their plants. But my garlic is doing its job and protecting my roses. Gotcha. Well, that you know what? I love a good garlic, too. So that's a mm -hmm. good advice. Uh, we have to take a quick break, but we will be back with much more right here on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Oh, yeah. Hey, back with The Garden Show here. I'm Dean Holland uh, with Charlie Dobbin. And I want to give those numbers out again uh, before we uh, resume going. Uh, anywhere in Toronto, 
1-866-740-0740 or anywhere else pro- uh, toll-free in the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. And uh, we are going to go right now to uh, Barb in Hamilton. Uh, good morning. Welcome to the Garden Show, Barb. Good morning. Um, I hope you're both well. Um, yes. I talked to Charlie before, quite a few years ago. Well, I'm glad to be able to speak to her again. It seems to me you had a recipe with uh, dish soap for dealing with insects Mm. on a plant. And I had a lily, I have a couple of lily plants, and I thought it was just, with all the wind, I thought it was just spots of dirt on the plant. But when I took a closer look, it was some sort of bug, but it was soft. I took it off, and then it looked black. And I checked the leaves, and they were on all the leaves, and yes. were actually eating some of the leaves. Mm-hmm. And then I, I went in the house, because I couldn't remember the recipe you had. But I thought, well, maybe dish soap will work. So I bought the dish soap out, and I put... Um, I washed the whole plant down. I washed every leaf with the dish soap. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, it was only two plants involved. Thank God. But anyway, um, now I've looked out since I've done that, and I was very careful. Also, um, after I got all those black ones off, I noticed there were a little brown, I guess, they might have been worms, but okay. anyway, they were very soft. Yeah. So, I don't so, so I what's going on? And, and you're like not the only cheese. one, because I had I had a couple of emails on this too. So, thanks for the call, because this is a good question. Anybody with lilies, like not day lilies, but real lily plants, is likely to have this problem. And the insect is called a red lily leaf beetle so the adult is a bright red beetle like you can't miss them they're they're just amazingly red if you touch the plant with the red beetles on the plant they drop to the ground and they drop onto their backs and their bellies are black so when they drop down you can't see them because they meld into the soil but when they're on the plant they're very obvious and like i say they'll abandon the plant very quickly if you touch the plant the baby version or the juvenile version of the lily leaf beetle is a rather disgusting little slug-like or caterpillar-like uh, insect. Not very attractive, just brown. But what they do, <clears throat> which is so smart, they actually cover themselves with their own feces. So you don't see the caterpillar. You see what looks like poop. It could be bird poop. It's just, it's just a blob of soft mush. But under that blob is an insect that's eating your lily plant, and it will eat every part of the plant, leaves, buds, flowers, petals, and they're voracious. They'll just destroy your plants. So you're right. I did. I was given a recipe from, and I just looked it up here. One of our, our listeners, her name is Wilma, so she's listening. Good morning, Wilma, who lives in Holstein. Um, she gave us this recipe, and it is on my website. So I'm going to tell you right now what the recipe is. If you want to check it, you know, the written word, go to charliedobbin.com and look under tips and you will find this recipe. And what it is, is mixing water, straight old water, two teaspoons of dish soap, not dish detergent, but dish soap, plus 
a teaspoon of oil, any old oil, but the, a lighter oil is better. So I wouldn't recommend olive oil, more like a corn oil or canola oil. All that goes into a spray bottle. So soap, water, and oil into a spray bottle. Then spray the insects as soon as you see them. From the moment you start seeing them, start spraying them. And the, the soap and the oil should stick to the insects and it should suffocate them. There it is. Okay, there, Barb. So that, yeah, that's the uh, that's the recipe, and good luck with those uh, those little critters. And that actually, it's obviously not a Hamilton problem exclusively, because no. uh, you got an email from Kathy in Oshawa, I think, mm -hmm. uh, earlier uh, regarding the exact same thing. Exactly, and it's a really, really distinctive insect. Like when the adults are on the plants, they are blazing red. So, so if you see anything red or any blobs on your lilies, get out there. Either pick them. Well, one of the things I do is I just lay newspaper on the ground and then shake the plant, and they all fall off the plant. But you catch them when they land on the newspaper instead of having them land in the soil and then climb back up. Gotcha. Okay. Um, we uh, actually, our next question on the line is something that I actually had a question. I gazed up at at uh, at my lilac, and I had a question that uh, Leslie from Cookstown is going to ask you right now. Welcome to the Garden Show, Leslie. Thank you. Good morning, Dean. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Um, morning. Yes, I have a, the front of my house. I, I love lilac, so I've planted quite a few lilacs that line the front of my property. Well, now they've finished, and they're getting a little large. Um, and I'm wondering the best time to prune them. Okay, so it's a great question, and your timing is good. The rule of thumb is when a plant is finished flowering is when we prune it. Because if you prune before it flowers, then you'll end up pruning off the flowers. So in order to maximize the ornamental value of, of plants like lilacs, wait until they're finished flowering, so now is the time. If nothing else, get your pruners out and take off the flowers that are now crispy on the tips of the branches. They will set seeds. They've got to put a lot of energy into setting seeds and you don't probably want to start a lilac nursery. So you don't want those crispy uh, flowers there, nor do you want seeds there. So and nothing else, get those off. How big are the, the trees or how tall are they when you said they're getting a bit big? Well, you know, they, they've now hit five feet, and I think that's where they're supposed to be, but, but they're getting very wide, so they're taking over the walkway. <laughs> well, do you know what kind of lilacs they are? Uh, dwarf, that's all I have. They're, they're uh, a light purple. They're very fragrant. Uh, well, yeah, they all are. So what you have to do, you have to look at where these are getting too wide, get down on your hands and knees, follow the branches that are encroaching onto your walkway, and follow those branches down to where they're coming from the main stem and get out your pruners and cut them off at the main stem. Okay. If you shear the plant by giving it a haircut and you know doing that little poodle cut thing, it, they will just get wider. So you don't want them wider. You want them, the, the natural form should be a vase shape for a lilac, so narrow at the base uh, and, and not super wide, but you know the shape of a V or a vase. So it, but the way we achieve that natural form and keep the lilacs in check is by doing our pruning right from the base. From the base. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. great information. Thank you so much. Thanks yeah, for calling. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much for the call there, Leslie. Okay. I, uh, yeah, I was looking up at my lilac just two days ago, and I had the same question. I thought, oh, should, I prune, should I trim all those old yeah. blossoms off now? Yeah. So now's the time. 
Yeah, for sure. And and also now it's the time to shape the plant if it's getting too big or well or you know growing only on one side, whatever. This is our opportunity for shaping and right. and for health reasons, of course, too. Okay. Uh, those numbers once again, uh, anywhere in Toronto, please give us a call four one six three six zero. 0740 or toll free anywhere else in the province of Ontario. Uh, the number is 1 866 740 We are now going to St. Catharines. We have uh, Linda on the line. Uh, welcome to the Garden Show, Linda. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be on. Morning. Oh, oh first time your first time caller. I got your garden wings there. Thank you. <laughs> there you I'm go. Garden wings for Linda. To... What do you got for Charlie? I'm calling in regards to a white silk lilac tree that was planted in early May. Mm-hmm. And when it w- uh, was first planted, I noticed that a few leaves were slightly puckered and curled and had like um, the edge seemed to be chewed out. And I pointed that out to the nursery that I bought the tree from, and they indicated to me that that was likely frost uh, um, that had caused that. Uh, since then, I've noticed that more of the leaves on the tree, actually completely around right to the top, are showing the same. They're curled, they're puckered, um, the leaves look like they've been chewed out, but there's no evidence of any bugs or insects. Uh, it was planted with uh, good triple mix soil that was mixed in with the actual clay soil that's there. Uh, it was staked, it's been watered, and I'm just concerned what's happening to this tree. Am I going to lose it? Uh, what do I need to do? Hmm. I, you know what? That's a good question. And there's no evidence of any insects. No. I've looked day, I've looked night, I've looked at huh. the leaves, huh. I've looked at the stalk and, and the branches, and no sign of any kind of insect. Okay. Um and the nursery said it could have been frost damage. Well, of course, it's certainly not frost damage now. Yeah, I'm no. just looking this up because I have a couple of ivory silk lilacs, and they're they're fine. And I was going to say, you know, it's a few leaves that aren't perfect on a newly planted tree is not a big problem. But if it continues to have foliar problems, then there's something going on. Hmm. I'm just doing a quick look at what what problems they have. They're actually excellent trees. They they grow in the urban environment. They're small, you know, perfect suburban urban trees. Uh, fragrant flowers. They've got everything going for them. Problems. Okay, powdery mildew, but that's not happening. Um, if it's planted in a less than ideal. So is it in full sun and is it in a well-drained soil, the tree? Uh, it's definitely in uh, full sun. Uh, it's on the south side of the property. Um, well drained. Well, that could be a little bit questionable in that it's you know originally clay soil, so it does retain moisture. But we did put in, I believe, three four bags of triple mix and mixed it together. Um, and also we did that little bit of an edge that's elevated so that the water would sit around uh, the tree. Uh, I've only watered it as required, so if it looks like it's dry, I will water it uh, until I get about an inch of water, then I let that soak in, mm-hmm. and then I'll water it again and let it about an inch and let that soak in. Right, so the equivalent of, so it's about 10 gallons of water is what we want to give trees when they're newly planted at least once a week. 
if there's yeah, no rain. Well, it's definitely so, received that, and with all the rain that we've had, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I, been a good spring that way. Yeah. So this is a bit of a tough one. Um, I'd be inclined, in your case, to take a couple of these leaves back to the nursery where you got it from. Um, you know, like I'm saying, there's very little. Uh, what about fertilizer? Was it fertilized when it was planted? Uh, we did put one bag of uh, mix that had a little bit of tree and shrub fertilizer in it. Okay, so yeah, so no more fertilizer, but that wouldn't have been a problem um, otherwise, because I mean, over fertilizing can be a problem. So don't think that fertilizer is going to solve this problem. Leaf miners, leaf miners are little insects that chew the inside of the leaves so that the leaves end up looking like stained glass. Um, but that doesn't sound like what you've got going no, on there. Puckering. And when you open up the leaves where they're puckered or curled, there's nothing in there. No, no, no. little tiny insect causing that puckering. None, none, no. Because hmm. that's usually when we see puckering on leaves, an insect is in there, and the tree responds by growing around the insect. Uh, it's so interesting. Like they compartmentalize the insect away from from everywhere else. So uh, with something like that, or the other option, if you can take a good close-up photograph, send me a picture. But uh, option one is take some leaves back to the nursery and see what they say. Because I'm, I'm a bit stumped with what that might be. Okay. okay. And if you want to send a, a picture, uh, Charlie's email is c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. And that will yeah, get the job thanks. done there. Oh, yeah, sorry, Linda. I will do that. But also, okay. I just wanted to mention, someone thought it could be uh, possibly a fungal disease in the soil that came with the tree. Hmm. No, I doubt it. Um, no, there, okay. the, there's not. I mean, yes, there's something called verticillium wilt, which is actually uh, a, a disease that could but it's pretty unusual wilting premature leaf drop is what verticillium wilt will do and yeah yeah they're just they're they're pretty good trees like they rarely have stuff going on with them so uh it might just be you know something environmental that's affecting it but um and you're right if it hopefully you got a a guarantee on that tree so that if it doesn't survive you can replace it with a fresh one okay yeah, so good luck with that. Thanks, Linda. Yeah, good luck with Thank that. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for the call, Linda. I appreciate your help. Thank you. Okay, no, our pleasure. And yeah, indeed, uh, again, that email, c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. Uh, numbers again, 416-360-0740. Toll free anywhere else in the province of Ontario, one 866 We are now going to Michael who is uh, on the line from Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Michael. Uh, good morning, Dean and Charlie. Thank you for taking my call. You're, you're both uh, very, very uh, good at doing what you do, and I really appreciate the opportunity to call in. So I have a problem okay, thank you. with uh, a, a ginkgo tree. It's quite mature. It's probably been in place planted now at least uh, 30 years, and it's possibly uh, like a 40-year-old tree. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, what ends up happening regularly about two or three times a season is I get like clusters of leaves emerging from the trunk of the tree. This is really a first world problem, but <laughs> go and, and take them all off. It looks kind of yes. unsightly. I've looked at many ginkgos here and there, and I don't see this to be like a prevalent issue. So, you know, the concept of the uh, witch's brooms kind of coming out on trees and, that have been pleached or pollarded. Well, this is just coming right out of the trunk here and there and everywhere. The, the tree is exceptionally healthy, and it's, it's really growing. It's, it's 
it's really quite right. a beautiful. So when you, when you take those leaves off the trunk, do you use pruners or do you just rub your hands like, on I'll, the trunk? I'll try to like pinch them off as as close into the trunk as possible, and then they come back. Sometimes, okay, so uh, that's at least that's one, why you're you're actually believe it or not by pinching, you are allowing that little tiny what's left bit of stem to now grow two stems. So your job next time you see any growth coming off the trunk of the tree is do not pinch, rub. Just rub your hand, the palm of your hand, upward, up and down the trunk of the tree and right. break off those stems. Right. You want to break them off from where they're coming so from like and they will not grow back. Yeah. And, you know, like... Um, yeah, the trunk is very fissured, if you know I know. So well, then get in there and the just, again, like, break it off. None of this pinching. Like, make it... Make, right. You want to break it right from where it's coming from. Even if it's coming from deep inside a fissure, right. uh, you, you know, like, really do a yank it off. Uh, we see this a lot on honey locusts. This time of year, particularly when they've been planted along urban roads right. uh, by the municipality, and they're just the trunk is covered in leaves. And I always want to stop my car and get out and, yeah. and break all those leaves off because you don't want leaves growing off the trunk. It's just a waste of energy. Yeah. What, do you know what causes that? Is it? I don't actually know. I think I've I've always thought it was sometimes it's genetics. It's the plant has just got this prevalence to do that, but also it's an indication that of a, the environment. So you've got all kinds of things happening that's making the plant so happy, bursting with growth. It's actually shooting new growth off of a you know an old bark. Right. It's you know good high humidity, proper sunshine, good temperatures. All of that leads to this you know, maximum growth, these bursts of growth. I, I, I understand. Yeah, that makes sense because the tree is yeah. extremely healthy. Well, I really appreciate it. Like I said, it's a real first world problem, but, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's more annoying than anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th well, thanks for the call, thank Michael. You. Thank yeah, you very much. Sure. I love I love those trees, ginkgo trees. Those yeah. leaves are great. I love them. You okay. gave me one. You gave me one. Uh, I did. It's a ginkgo leaf in stained glass. It's, it's very cool. Glass. Hanging on my office right here beside oh, me. Nice. Well, I'm glad it found a, a nice little home in your window there. Okay. <laughs> I have to take, a, we have to take a quick break, but we will be right back with more right here on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, welcome back to The Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland here with Charlie Dobbin. Now, one flower, I mean, there were there were many, many flowers listed in that, that theme song there. One of them I did not hear that came up in conversation this morning with my wife and I was ranunculus. Mm. And and uh, she reminded me when we were going through the market this morning early, just be before the garden show in Collingwood here, she saw some ranunculus and said, oh, you know what, that's what I wanted in my wedding bouquet all those years ago. Oh. But it wasn't it wasn't out yet. Yeah, is, that, is that something we can grow in this climate? Can I grow ranunculus? Sure, but it's not a hardy plant. It will die in the winter. So right. it's something that you would bring inside to keep it alive. Um, and you're right. Like The whole idea of flowers and bouquet, bridal bouquets is interesting because we, kind of similar to what um, Michael was saying, you know, first world problems, yeah. here, here we, our growers have gotten much better when it comes to cut flowers at being able to provide any flower any time of the year as a cut flower. Whereas 20, 30 years ago, no, you could not get tulips in bloom except in the spring. 
But yeah. now you can get tulips in bloom 12 months out of the year because the growers are able to provide that for us. So um, um, that's that that's what we do in the first world. We worry about having yeah, yeah. the right, you know, everybody's perfect flower available year round. Yeah, we, we <laughs> went with we went with things that were a little bit more um, uh, seasonal. And, and it was just we mm. just got, we got married in May. Right. And so right. it was. Only the difference of a month. But uh, anyway, we were just wondering if it was something yeah. that we could grow here. And so it sounds like it is. For sure, as an annual. Okay. Beautiful in a planter. Yeah. Uh, apparently, bugs are a bit of a theme today. So we've got uh, Sam on the line from Bradford, uh, who looks like they have a bug question. Welcome to the Garden Show, Sam. Good morning. How are you, guys? Good morning. Good morning. And, and you are, you I'm get your garden actually, wings, I'm my friend. Calling, Welcome. Here you go. Welcome. Bradford. So, yeah, what, what do you got for us there, Sam? Okay, uh, my wife has been planting house plants for about four or five years in the house. They're in the front window, and she always gets these little black bugs in them. She's tried everything. She's went on YouTube. I'm not much of a gardener, so I'm kind of calling on uh, her behalf. So mm-hmm. she's been buying these little um, plastic. Um, she puts them in each pot. And they kind of, the little bugs stick to them, and she's tried yeah. everything. She just can't get rid of these little bugs. I don't know what they are. They're almost like little flies. Right. So they are actually little gnats, like G-N-A-T-S, fungus yeah. gnats. They look like fruit flies. And if you bang yeah. the side of the pot with the palm of your hand, a whole cloud of little tiny gnats will fly out of the soil. So what you need to tell your wife is using the stick, they're called sticky sticks, which is the um, like fly paper, uh, bright yellow, the gnats are attracted to the yellow and then they get Mm -hmm. stuck in the glue and that Mm -hmm. does eliminate some of them and is very effective. But the other thing she has to do is she has to stop watering so much. So instead of keeping the plants constantly moist, She's got to pull back on her watering, allow the plants to dry down between waterings, and you will find that the population of gnats will decrease because there will be less fungus in the soil when the soil is drying out. So that is the other way to eliminate fungus gnats. So less water and keep the sticky sticks uh, everywhere. (laughs) And by trapping the adults, they can't lay eggs. Well, I appreciate that, guys. First time that I've called in. I love your show. I listen to it while I'm driving to work. So I really Great. appreciate it, and I will let her know. Thanks Great. Thank so you so much. Calling. And don't be a stranger. Yeah. And we, and and and, uh, and uh, Duncan apologized. He says that was Stratford, not yes. Bradford. Yes. So we got that. Yes. Now, we have, uh, before we take a break again, uh, we have, uh, we can get to our next caller, which is, we talked about this lady earlier. We have Wilma on the line from Holstein. Welcome to the Garden Show, Wilma. Good morning, everybody. Oops, sounds like you're out in the wind. I'm out in the garden, so I'm sorry. Yes. Um, I just wanted to add a footnote to that um, comment about the red beetles on the lilies. Yep. I I have not eliminated them by any chance. <laughs> I was out yesterday, and they are still on my flowers. But the so lilies are this year are li- growing in spite of the the beetles, and I'm hoping that I get some bloom off them. Did but you spray them? my real question today was aphids. Mm-hmm. I have a family member who has 
a greenhouse. Mm-hmm. And last year, she managed to just do it manually. But this year, she said it is almost beyond manual. Mm-hmm. The leaves are just literally covered with mm. aphids. Okay. So is her greenhouse like a hobby greenhouse just in her backyard, or has she got a commercial greenhouse? No, it's, it's just a backyard hobby, and they don't uh, keep it going all year long. It's just a seasonal thing. Mm. And right now, are there plants in the greenhouse still? Yes. Uh, they, they grow stuff in the house all uh, for the season, but they right. also have some outside, and that's what she said. She she made sure that there was nothing visible on them when they planted stuff outside, and so far the outside ones are doing well. But it's right. what's in the greenhouse that she can't keep ahead of. Um, they have planted marigolds and... Um, Oh, something else. I forget what the other one. Um, to try. Hopefully yeah. to avoid that, but right. it's not totally working. <laughs> so you know what I would do? So is her greenhouse um, kept open to the outside, or is it screened, or, or how does she uh, cool the greenhouse? Um, they have fans, and they have windows. Um, they Head have open. it open during yeah. the day, but usually close it up at night, especially yeah. in the weather-related type thing. You know what I would do? I mean, obviously, we know that we can control aphids with pretty non-toxic sprays, simple sprays like soap and water will and kill that, aphids. That is but the we, other thing. They don't want to use any commercial stuff if they can avoid yeah. it. So, and so you can make a soap and water spray. It's 40 parts water to one part soap. But in a greenhouse, it can be a bit challenging because it's often so warm in a greenhouse, soap and water is quite hard on plants if they're extremely warm, so at your high temperature. So she'd have to, if she's going to go the route of spraying soap, do it very early in the day or as the sun is going down so the temperature is cooler and the soap and, and the sun don't cause you know more stress on the plants than the aphids <laughs> yeah, are already she, doing. She but you know what else? Recently she, she used some and, and apparently the plants went a little black. Exactly, because it's too <laughs> and hot. Yeah. they were going to lose yeah. a lot of them, but they are coming back. Right, but that's why you never spray soap and water on a plant that's in the sun. So yeah. that's why if we're using soap and water on, on in a greenhouse or even outside, you do it on a cloudy day, you do it early in the day or late in the day. But you know what else I'm thinking, Wilma's? Tell your friend or your niece or whoever this was, get in touch with um, Natural Insect Control, NIC, based in St. Catharines, or she may even be able to find this at a local garden center, get some ladybug eggs and take them home, put those ladybug eggs into the greenhouse, they will hatch and the baby ladybugs will eat the aphids so fast you'd be amazed. Um, and, that, and that works really, really well. Okay, on that note, ladies, I do have to take a break. Thanks for the call, Wilma, and we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, back with The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio. I'm Dean Holland here with Charlie Dobbin. 
And uh, Charlie, we have a caller on the line from Markham. We have Elaine. Welcome to the Garden Show, Elaine. Good morning. Morning. <laughs> oh, Charlie, I want to know about my peony. Should I transplant mm-hmm. it in the fall or now? The fall. Okay. Yep. Yep. If you transplant it now, well, of course, it's flowering right now, I would think. We're just about finished flowering, perhaps? No, it's just about going to open by the end of the week. Oh. There you go. So you definitely don't want to transplant now because you'll never see those flowers if you transplant now. Those will shrivel up and fall off. So wait until the fall, like September, early September. And remember, when you if it's been in the ground for a long time, it's a very large tuber under there. Uh, and, and you want to use a fork to lift it up. It comes up. It's just a, a really odd-looking bunch of roots with little fingers sticking off and uh, you want to try and transplant the the whole thing or at that point when it's out of the ground you can chop it up and make multi peonies if you want to similar to a potato you need to have a a bud or an eye on whatever chunk of root that you pass on or stick into a pot for uh, um, sharing Uh uh-huh okay okay Okay. and it's something about how deep how deep is it i planned it uh, not, not deep at all. The tuber, when you're transplanting, see what depth it's at now and you want to keep it at that depth. Of course, it's going to sink a bit after you do your transplanting. So uh, plant it a bit high. It's literally right on the surface of the soil. You almost can see the tuber. It's just below the surface. And that way you get flowers. Any deeper, you won't see flowers at all. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. You're very welcome. Yeah, yeah, Thanks yeah. For thank, calling. thank you, Elaine. Okay. Yeah, love those peonies. Um, now, is it true, I think I've asked you this before, but if you transplant them, I was told by somebody years ago that if you transplant them, you can sometimes not get blooms for yeah. a few years. It's usually because they're planted too deep when you don't get blooms. Oh, they, okay. sh- they should, you know, um, uh, peonies are lovely perennials because they just last forever and ever. They're, some pe- some perennials are short-lived, but peonies will live for, you know, 100 years. They're just wonderful. Um, and they should bloom every year. There's no reason in the world why they won't bloom unless they're planted too deep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, because uh, sometimes I've wanted to, uh, to shift them around. I'm amazed at the different the difference between one side of the driveway and the other side of the driveway here, just because of the sun pattern seems right. to make a huge difference. It's incredible. Only about 20 feet apart. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, you can really see that very, very evident when you've got dramatic sunshade. So listen, um, I'm yeah. not sure what we're going to do next week. Um, okay. Next, next Saturday when we're uh, doing the garden show, I'm going to be in New Brunswick. Okay. That the, the as you know, hosting Healing Gardens documentary series. We are off to New Brunswick on Tuesday. We're going to St Andrews by the Sea, and oh, we're going to be attending Kingsbury Gardens, which I'm very excited about. I should still be in New Brunswick next Saturday morning, so we should be fine to do the show. But Air Canada is messing around with my flight. So uh, I'll certainly be in touch and let you know what we're going to do. But hopefully I won't have to do the show from an airplane because I don't think I could pull that off. No. <laughs> that, that would be quite the endeavor, wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> exactly. And speaking of Healing Gardens, that's coming up uh, every Monday, right, mm-hmm. on Vision tomorrow. TV? That's yep, right. Tomorrow. 9 p.m. Oh, no, Monday. Yep. Yeah, Monday. 9 p.m. every Monday. New episode airs on Vision TV, also on the web. You can go to visiontv.ca and watch episodes that have already aired. I think we're up to number four now. 
four or five, I forget, but either way, yep. do enjoy the show. I, everybody I talk to is really learning a lot and finding it a, a super show to, to watch. It's just very peaceful and very healing as a show goes as well. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, Duncan. Love you. Carlos, congrats on the marathon. And uh, thanks to all our great callers. Couldn't do the show without you. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.